Ah, yes, friends, on a Friday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, over there, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, Andrew Makowitz. How are we, sirs? We got to get into big, big Friday show, breaking news Friday show. Oh, I am doing good. I thought the offseason, you know, was going to be a little bit of a lull, Adam, before the draft, and man, breaking news on a Friday morning, unbelievable. Can you hit the hit the listeners with what we got going on? I believe it, man. We weren't sure. Listen, we had the speculation around whether or not the New York football giants were going to be in on some of the veteran quarterbacks in free agency. We know that they went out, they signed, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor to be, we thought the backup maybe compete, but the speculation kept going here. When are Joe Shane and Brian Dable potentially going to move on from Daniel Jones? The move comes. They officially make the trade with the San Francisco 49ers bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo. We know they have Trey Lance, the, how they're going to make this money work. We'll figure out the details in the background, but they managed to bring in a veteran quarterback, which maybe completely changes how we look at this season coming up. And they also offload James Bradbury in the process. That's going to help with the money. Certainly a couple of picks, maybe in the background here, there's speculation. It could have involved Saquon Barkley. That doesn't happen. Just what are your initial thoughts? This is about as head upside down turning as you could possibly get for the New York football giants. It means the giants are going all in. Everything that Joe Shane said is out the window. We're not caring about the cap anymore. We are in win now mode, my friend. I got to tell you smoke and mirrors all off season. And then if we go into it just a little bit deeper, one final uh, note about this trade is <laughs> you idiots. <laughs> April fools. Come on. Ah, I like it. I like it. You guys look ridiculous. I hope you didn't crash your cars because we like to have fun on the show. That's what we're about, Andy. It's about giving information. It's about providing insights around the New York football giants, but it's also a good time. That's could, what we could, like you, to do. could you could you actually imagine if the Giants traded for Jimmy G? I'd like look left and look right and be like, well, everything that Joe Shane said is is a lie. Like life would be a lie. So April Fool, uh, the uh, have a little fun, you know. Indiana Jones when the face just melts at the end <laughs> at the end of just ah! <laughs> what's going on not to mention as uh, unfortunately sometimes you, you wander into when you're running what we like to call in the business a bit um you run into a bit of a, a bit of confusion where it's like who are they giving up for and what's the process you start going well what would that look like what would that trade have yeah you actually like? have to like make a trade that you wouldn't want to do happen with logistics and yeah so well, uh, it's say, a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I am glad guys. that Jimmy G is not a New York Giant today. That being the case, though, one thing that's not a joke is that you're healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, you're going to be doing some uh, LORPing later this uh, afternoon with the misses, and we're all excited for that. But on the Giants side of things, um, this has been, for the most part, you could call it a somewhat uneventful offseason in a lot of ways, and that could actually be a really positive thing, right? This was kind of, I think, about resetting the table resetting expectations, getting some some smart minds, some exciting minds in the room, and the Giants have done that. And so why not on a Friday as we enter into draft month? So all month long, we're going to try to get into some of the prospects, the rising and falling stocks around these players in the draft. But here we are, and we get to look back now at what is basically we're, we're, we're wrapping up. Free agency is all but concluded here, especially from a New York football Giants perspective. Yeah, so the, the Giants have the least amount of cap space as it sits today. Um, in terms of the, the 51 that count against the cap, literally. Um, so with, with that being the understanding, we kind of know the Giants are tapped out in terms of any big-time free agent moves. Uh, Tyra Matthew or whomever is still out on the market is not a reality for Giant fans. And so with, with the free agency kind of completed, 
The draft's still upon us. It is a good time to kind of look back at them and evaluate what the Giants have done so far in this offseason. Yeah, and, you know, you posed this on the front end of doing the episode, best and worst things that the Giants accomplished or didn't accomplish, things that maybe you wanted to see as a Giants fan or moves that they made where you went, oh, no, God, no. Oh, no, why did you do that? Now, because of the, the cap restrictions, it's hard for the Giants to really reach too far. It's hard to. You can't Dave Gettleman yourself this offseason, right? There, there isn't the money to to overspend and to look back on in two or three years and be disgusted by. When we talk about, let's start with best because I positivity. We tried to do this last episode. Let's try to do it again. Uh, you can. Do you have your best move of the offseason? This was your. This is your baby. This show is your baby. So you can go first with what you think is the best. I think there's a very clear-cut, obvious answer to this question. Well, okay, so that's interesting. Um, well, when you look at the the macro level of this offseason, clearly the biggest win was the removal of Dave Gettleman as the general manager of the Giants and, and putting in someone that, I don't know, is is in like this century of thinking, like remove – remove the whiteboards and the, and the, like the TI 83 calculators and like, let's get into the, into technology. But when we're talking about front office aside, after they've made those changes, if we look at free agency, just in and of itself, you know, for me, I I think the best move that the giants made was restructuring Blake Martinez and Sterling Shepard. And, and it's, and it's twofold Adam. One is we know that we are in cap hell right now with all the different ways that Dave Gettleman restructured contracts and just kicked the can down the road and was like, I'm not going to be here. Someone else is going to have to clean up this mess. But what he did was he was able to not only save more money, keeping the players in house, but also then did not have to spend more money to replace those players in free agency. So it's kind of a, like a two for one. And when you think about, you know, culture for, for whatever that means to certain people, you keep veteran leaders on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball that have familiarity with like the New York Giants as an organization. To me, that's a clear cut win as we transition into like what will be the next decade of Giants football. Yeah, listen, I, I like that. Love it. You knew that this offseason was going to be a, a pause, right? It's a bridge to the next next offseason, the next big opportunity to really target players. And you talked about it all offseason where to want to move off of money, want to move off of an injured player like a Blake Martinez, it's all well and good. But then it means whether or not in free agency, which was going to be pretty unlikely given the cap situation, or even in the draft, though, you're going to have to go into the draft thinking linebacker is is going to is going to be as high of a need as anything else. And we already know offensive line and edge rusher and potentially safety, right? And then maybe adding in a wide receiver weapon. Like you already have a pretty big hierarchy of needs that when you go into the draft, you don't want to add another one. So that's I like that. I listen for me. It was it was bringing in Joe Shane and Brian Dable, right? Like it was looking at the GM head coach combination and for the first time in years saying, you know, it would make a lot of sense if these guys came in not only on the same timeline, but on the same page, right? So the familiarity and the continuity piece that you accomplish in doing that, it's just, it's a breath of fresh air relative to what we've seen. The overlap between the end of Jerry Reese's era into Dave Gettleman's era, and then the three, four coach lineup that you want to run out there and the offensive coordinators and who was in charge and who's going to be calling plays. Like all of that chaos went away in one move. And from the very first time we heard from Joe Shane and from Brian Dable, it gave you every sense of, oh, well, it's just a, it's just an NFL GM. That's just a NFL head coach. I'm a little bit taken aback. I didn't know we could have those things, right? So that that that's the high level one. If I was going to go in onto the, uh, which by the way, I just got, the, I just saw this uh, 
on the uh, when I'm looking up the free agent tracker just to do it. My one's going to be the offensive line and just bringing in that entire group that you brought in from Feliciano. Uh, you just brought in, obviously, Garcia, Douglas, Gano, all these guys. And, and, and it's just to say you, you've rebuilt this thing to be respectable, whether these are starters and backups, et cetera. You've rebuilt this offensive line and gotten away from some of the chaos of the previous regime. But, Andy, little footnote. Sandro Platzgummer has been resigned. I mean, I, how I, did we miss it? This I, kid's I knew. gonna be a star. It, it's it's crazy. He keeps getting re- resigned, and he's the the little ace in the hole. He's probably you know I I have an a, uh, an affinity for Ryzen John. I think he still has has yeah. an ability to do something here. But Sandro Platzgummer, that that is that is your main man. Um, That's when, it, when, so, so those, but those are the, those are the broad stroke ones for me though, and then it's it's the negative, right? Well, well, to, to just touch on what you just said, I think it's interesting. The when we talked before the show just about how we wanted to talk about this, we were like, wow, there wasn't any like wow moves that the Giants did. And that's actually a good thing. Like Dave Gettleman went out and got Kenny Galladay and overpaid for Kenny Galladay. And now we're dealing with that contract just right. lingering over, over the Giants. The Giants had very, very limited cap space. And they basically put all those chips into fixing the biggest problem, which was the offensive line. And so like, you know, from, from that standpoint, Adam, you know, they, they signed, you know, Glowinski away from, from the Colts, mm-hmm. a 70 PFF rating this past year has had higher ones in the past, about six and a half, seven million dollars a year annually. Like we basically put 80% of our available cap space into one position because we knew that's how bad it needed to be fixed. And so, yep. you know, kudos to, to Shane table and the whole, and the whole organization for just saying enough is enough. Even if we have only $5 million, you have to put all five of that towards the offensive line. Yeah, you couldn't afford to go in with this many question marks because you can think back even not even ne- negatively when you go into a draft and you say, well, we're going to take, a, you know, a tackle at high in the draft in the first round. We're also going to look at another tackle prospect in the third round and then a guard prospect in the fifth round. On the one hand, it's like, hey, you want to invest to rebuild that position. But on the other, as we're seeing in real time, whether it's injury or regression. As it stands right now, we have one of those prospects panning out in Andrew Thomas, right? So to take, again, the question mark, whatever you think about any of these players, and some of them like Lewinsky, he's going to come in, he's going to plug in. He's going to be a solid starter for the New York Football Giants. We think Feliciano at center is going to be capable of being a solid starter for the upcoming season. You're just taking question marks off of your board before the draft, and you're taking needs off your board before the draft as well. Like I think that it's smart to play it this way. It's something that we wished we had seen more of in years past say what's the biggest problem offensive line is the biggest problem how can we try to get there and the fact that the giants were able to accomplish also you know listen i'm not gonna you can't call it an a plus because you didn't sign big time free agents and get studs across the line but it's a b because you looked at it and like you said with limited resources you said we can still get something done here and and you know what block everything else out we may make some trades we may try to get into the draft etc whatever all we want to accomplish here is knowing that going into this year, our offensive line has been stabilized. And whatever the results are going to be, I guarantee you, this is not going to be the 30th, 31st, or 32nd ranked offensive line this year. Honorable mention in terms of the best moves are the little Every. moves. Uh, I know I know you like that one. No, are, are the moves that we forgot that the Giants even did? The ones that were releasing Kyle Rudolph, which was an, was completely necessary, cutting Devontae Booker and replacing him with Matt Breida cheaper than what Booker cost. 
yep. and, and cutting Riley Dixon. And, and the reason why I say that is because each of those freed up a million or two here or there, but we can see how critical that is when the Giants have the least amount of cap space. And to show that it was smart to cut them, all three of those guys are currently still free agents on the open market right now. So it wasn't like there was a massive demand for these types of players and Joe Shane had a tough call. He looked at the talent, looked at the cap savings and said, let's move on from these players. We can reallocate the funds elsewhere. And, and those players are still open on the market. So it's not like they were a hot commodity to begin with. And one of the other big moves, I know we kept some of the guys that are coming off injuries, um, but Jabril Peppers, who we touched on, he went to New England. Um, one of the in the last episodes, we were talking about injuries, the field turf, the Giants are just one of the more injured teams in the league, all that stuff. One of the adjustments is also not not bringing in or retaining players that are off injury, right? Players that have an injury history. So in Jabril Peppers, as much as he was a local guy that we liked, I think that's also the difficult calls you have to make where they, they, they did it with a couple of them, Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez. Guess what? That's as much financial as it is about if they can come back and be healthy. It's not necessarily about the player. It's about the cost and keeping guys on the roster so you don't have to fill those needs. Jabril Peppers could be talented, right? He could still have a lot of good football years ahead of him, but it was hard to make that commitment there, understanding everything else. So again, a lot of, just a lot of smart football moves, in my opinion. Yeah, well, we talk about the smart ones, and we say worst moves of the offseason, Adam. I don't know if there necessarily is anything where it's you're like, oh, man, that was that was absolutely horrible. Is there is there something that that the offseason or free agency has lacked for you? Like if, if there's one thing that the Joe Shane and Dable haven't done, what would that be? Yeah. And I mean, listen, this is going to be nitpicking in some regards. I'm going to leave the other name for you. But I think when we talk about this team and you talk about turning over from the past year, you have to look at Saquon Barkley to me. Now, again, we can talk about what his talent level is going to be. And as we get towards the season, um, you're going to hear me. And I want to try to make this as clear as possible because I've been saying it the whole time never been about if he's talented or if he can be productive it's about what's best for the organization and when we talk about having cap room that's that's money there that's 7.2 million dollars that you could have gone out into free agency and maybe accomplish something now this isn't me saying joe shane what are they possibly thinking not moving him you need two people two parties to get the job done you also want to make sure you try to get as much value as you can for him i appreciate that but I think that at some point ripping off that bandaid needed to happen here. We talk about it with so many other components. He's one of the last representatives of the previous regime. And I think it would have been obviously helpful to be able to do that. What could they have accomplished this off season before the draft with that extra draft capital, even if it meant taking 70%, 60% on the dollar in return for him. I wouldn't have hated if they were able to do something there. Yeah, you you know, th this is the hot button issue that you and I kind of uh, split the road on and, and go separate ways. I obviously think that there's a lot of value in, in keeping Saquon Barkley, especially at least at the beginning of the season, um, to help us kind of transition this roster. And this um, is a little bit like incomplete, right? Because something could happen at the start of the year, as I said, too, or before the trade deadline that would... Re reassess how I felt about the offseason and pushing that pause. Yeah, we, we still have time, but as it sits today, obviously James Bradbury still on the roster. Saquon Barkley still on the roster. James Bradbury all, all but sh you know surely is going to be traded in, in the coming days. Um, Adam, this is this is also a tough one for me because I, I kind of look at it and, and I, I'm not thinking like, oh, I hated this signing. But for me, it, it just feels like, you know, when we got rid of or let Evan Ingram go in free agency, we, we addressed the tight end with a veteran minimum deal and we let all of our other tight ends that were on the roster go. So you, you don't have Evan Ingram. You don't have Caden Smith anymore. Toyolo is, is still a free agent out there. And we sign 
you know, Ricky Seals Jones to a, to a veteran minimum contract, it feels like we kind of just ha- that feels a little incomplete to me as well because we still only have one tight end on the roster. Obviously, we still have my main man, Ryzen John, who may be able to fill a void at some point. But but it feels like there were a couple guys, you know, that were a million dollars more, maybe one point five million in Hayden Hurst or OJ Howard that maybe would have gotten me a little bit more excited. But I, but again, I'm not mad about having Ricky Seals Jones. I'm just thinking, could there have been a better option at tight end to replace Evan Ingram? Well, and this is the old right. Like you want to make sure you you put something into all of these needs, right? That you at least somewhat check the box. It's like the offensive line. Are all these guys going to be the studs? Are they all going to be the starters? No, but we filled in a couple of guys that are going to be stopgap players there, and we brought in experienced players to back up potentially young rookie draft picks. As it stands right now. You could go into the draft and sign two, get two tight ends out of the draft, and you'd be like, okay, now we filled out that group. And boy, would that be a tall order to be drafting multiple tight ends, right? So I get that perspective on it, but I, and it's like I said, I'll, I'll tie it into mine. That's why moving on from some of these guys matters. If you, you know, if you feel like there are holes that you want to fill on this roster, the way that you do it is by making the difficult choices around a James Bradbury, which, as you said, looks like it's coming here. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done soon enough, and you can even put that right, like worst, but get it done sooner, whatever it was going to look like, right? Again, for clearing the cap room and giving yourself some more flexibility and free agency, maybe you had to take the fourth round pick instead of the third rounder for Bradbury. Maybe it's a fifth this year and a fifth next year for Saquon Barkley. Like, I don't know what the, what the market was dictating and what benchmark the giants were really setting for what they wanted there. But this is, this is where you end up falling in the weeds a little bit. And again, it could all come out in the wash by the time we talk about this next off season and what was accomplished. But in the short term, there's going to be holes, right? The you know, cornerback is going to be a big question mark now, and that's going to stay at the hierarchy board even after the Bradbury trade, because what could you have done? Young rookies, right? Players on the market. I think sometimes we also see the contracts that get signed around the league and go, boy, that wasn't that. That wasn't it. No, it wasn't nearly as expensive as I thought it was going to be. Thought the Giants, you know, Giants could have done something there. Yeah, well, exactly, and and you kind of see as all the tea leaves settle on this, we, we kind of are done with the free agency piece of it. We talk about there's a lot of good moves, and, and you and I both agree that the majority of the moves are like, yeah, that, that makes sense. We're cutting someone like you know Devontae Booker, getting someone like Matt Breida in who's cheaper and and can have flashes. So, you know, when we move away from free agency, we kind of look a little bit ahead, Adam. And so you mentioned a couple of incomplete grades. It does feel like things are a little incomplete and we need the the draft and, and otherwise to be able to fill some of the final gaps. We know that this was a massive rebuild for Joe Shane and Brian Dable. The cupboard was pretty bare in terms of what they could work with. And so we may not be able to fill all the holes, but now understanding what we've done in free agency, where do you see the Giants needs? Like what's the one thing that the Giants still have to do in your opinion? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it still remains. We all say the offensive line, right? For as glowing, the the funny thing is, I'll just say, you know, outside of my own body here, it's funny to think about the fact that we are talking about. Obviously, they didn't they didn't sign a right tackle that's going to come in and be a stud for them, or even a stopgap guy. So you think about offensive line being the immediate need, the top, and I assume they will, and they should go get them. But then you think about the impending trade with Bradbury. It's going to open up a very clear hole there. We've heard about Sauce Gardner a lot. And then you think about across from Aziz Ojolari in the edge rush. When you go onto the defensive side of the ball, remember, restructuring Blake Martinez, still a guy coming off an injury. Have some young players like Roche, like Cam Brown. Okay, great. But 
linebacker, safety, cornerback, edge rusher, and arguably an interior defensive line as well. Because remember, Austin Johnson is also gone here. I just gave you five starting positions that this defensive side of the ball needs. So I think when we look at the draft, I'm going, I'm starting to think in the direction of, boy, when we look back six, seven, eight, nine picks later, there's a pretty high percentage that should be dedicated to the defensive side of the ball potentially because there are needs there and you don't want to be going into next offseason saying, oh, we'll just spend money in free agency at four or five key positions at 10 to $15 million a piece. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because we do talk about the offensive line at, at nauseum because that's how bad it was. And, you know, even at the annual annual meetings down in, in Palm Beach, they, they were talking to Brian Dayball, and he's like, yeah, we're going to add another tackle in the draft. Right. Like, it's just the reality of it, right? But, oh, but yeah, yeah. But, but to your point, you know, let's say they use either five or seven on one of the offensive tackles that's available. It sounds like, you know, if I had to, if I was a betting man, some kind of combination of Neil, Aguanu, or Cross, however mm-hmm. you feel, are going to be there. And, and I think that's what makes the Giants comfortable about being able to get their offensive tackle at five or seven, right? But to your point, after you get that offensive tackle, it feels like the offensive side of the ball is is okay. Like we, we, we've we got our structure set up. We know who our wide receivers are going to be. We've got Saquon Barkley. We know we're not going to spend a premium pick on a tight end in the first round. You really do then say, you know, the second first round pick, as well as the second rounders and third rounders that we have, you're going to see a lot of defensive players drafted by the giants. And, and it's to your point, we didn't even mention the release of Logan Ryan, which saved yeah. almost next to nothing against the cat, but it, it leaves a huge hole at safety to be able to replenish that, that situation as well. So when you talk about Logan Ryan going, you talk about James Bradbury being traded, you talk about Rodarius Williams coming off of injury, you talk about will Darnay Holmes come to, you know, come to where he is. How is Aaron Robinson going to be in year two? There's yeah. a lot of question marks at cornerback, and we have been talking at nauseum about potentially getting Trayvon Walker at seven or Jermaine Johnson at seven, knowing there's a big need for an edge rusher. So I, I, you know, coming into this episode, I didn't even think that like defense was really on my mind. But outside of that one glaring offensive tackle, it's like the next four picks could be defensive players for the Giants. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Obviously, it keeps Kyle Hamilton in play there at the top of the draft. Like, oh, uh, stop this! Be. Stop uh, it, Adam. Man, this stop is be it. Exciting for you, certainly. One thing I will, I will say, uh, you know, April Fools. Uh, but the one thing I will say to keep in mind about not just about Kyle Hamilton. I, I'm really saying it about safeties you see in the draft, especially ones that have six three, six four frames, or guys that are playing closer to two ten than they are to two hundred. Remember, like these guys are. Also, hybrid safety slash linebacker combinations, especially when they have the speed. So there are guys that are a little bit of Swiss Army knife. And I like using third round picks in that kind of vein where you say, hey, we got a player that we think based on down and distance, we can use in a couple of different roles here and kind of fill two needs on our roster at once, especially when you have so many holes. But to your point, I I think, again, tackle there at the top. Will the Giants after that? look at the edge rushing class and say, hey, we can still get a really good weapon if we drop down a little bit here and get ourselves an extra pick in the second or third round to go with these selections because then you can think about tight end in the 80 80 to 100 range potentially, someone who's a good blocker. You mentioned Kate Otten. I've talked about likely. Uh, You can take a look at a guy like uh, McBride, who obviously is a big offensive weapon, pretty high in the draft. They're probably second rounder, right? So where you start to pen in these other offensive needs, including wide receiver, 
wide receiver, you can look third, fourth round. But if you put a couple of these guys in the mix there out of eight or nine picks in the draft, again, offensive linemen and maybe a couple of weapons there. We'll see if I think where they potentially draft a running back at any point in this draft would be indicative of how they feel going into the start of the season. But everywhere else, you want you want to get an edge rusher high in this draft. You want to get a cornerback pretty high in this draft if you can't get Sauce Gardner at the top before you trade down potentially. Uh, safety linebacker is a big one here. I've said this before. If the Giants trade down into the teens, you have to think about a linebacker like Lloyd, who would be a plug and play sideline to sideline guy. But four or five of these defensive needs are ones that you go, oh, I'd like to have that in the top three rounds, which we know isn't going to be possible, but that's how the needs look when you look across the roster. Well, and and the tough part, Adam, and, and we will keep circling back on this is like our good buddy, former New York giant Landon Collins got released by the Washington commanders. Wouldn't it be great to have a reunion with Landon Collins and fill out the the safety room and at least like check one of those boxes to say we don't have to spend premier draft capital in order to fill that hole. You, you'd feel pretty good with a Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, Landon Collins, you know, back, you know, secondary. But the problem is the Giants just don't have cap space to sign anyone. Like if even if he was a, a low cost one year, three million dollar deal, the Giants don't have that money. Literally, they cannot sign him because of they have to move James Bradbury first. And if they were to even say move James Bradbury and sign someone like Landon Collins, they still would have to make other move, corresponding moves to free up enough money to even sign all their draft picks. So like th- this is the problem that the Giants have and why there's so many needs that need to be filled in the draft is like we don't even have money for any other real veteran minimum deals to to, to kind of like balance out the roster at this point. No, and I think they're only they only have a little bit north of one million dollars right now in cap room. Like that's where they're at, and that's why we know that there is going to be a move coming here because they are going to have a draft class to sign. So you can obviously continue to look back at the James Bradbury situation and say that's where we're going to get our money for all of these draft picks that are going to be coming in. The one thing I'll say is when we talk about some of these veteran players um, that have been on free agency and whether or not you would have liked to have brought them in, and even just as a stopgap, we know that. Spending it the way they did on the offensive line, I think the real value is too, though, especially on the defensive side of the ball under Wink Martindale, is going through and basically saying, like, you know what we want to fill this out with, though, are the young players that this year, which we think is a bit of a pause year for the Giants franchise potentially, this year, I want all the young players in the system. So in year two, when you have all this money for free agency, you're not necessarily looking at it and saying, like, oh, again, we need three starting positions on the defensive side of the ball. We can say, hey, Going into year number two on this cornerback, on this safety, on this linebacker, on this edge rusher, combined with Aziz Ojolari, like all of a sudden we could be talking about looking at five or six players, seven players on the defensive side of the ball that are all going to be under 25 years old, all developing in the system and all on fairly low contracts, understanding you're going to have a couple of key players like a Dexter Lawrence, if they want to retain him, uh, that are going to be up for contracts as well. So I, I understanding it is what it is. I don't mind the approach of filling out the the youth on the defensive side of the roster and allowing Wink Martindale to get involved here. Um, as we do now normally, and I saw Andy and I communicate all the time, even in program. As we get to it at the end of the day, I do have to tease you here just a little bit because there was one little nugget, and this is no April Fool's. Think about this over the weekend, friends. I'm going to ask Andy. Do you know the over-under for the New York football Giants win total in the upcoming season? I Well, I do, um, but different books have different numbers now lately. But the first one that came out that I saw was eight wins, and then Caesar's oh. book came out with seven wins for the Giants. Yes, sir. 
what at the end of the day, how does that make you feel about the upcoming season? How does it make you feel about the potential of what the Giants can do in the draft? I mean, let's let's keep the Daniel Jones piece, I guess, out of it because that's the that's always going to be the rub here. But do you feel like does that feel like an overassessment here, or is this really the the general positivity? No April Fool's joke around the New York Football Giants and and getting stable and doing some positive things this offseason and then projecting for what the draft could be for them and saying, hey, we can be a competitive team and maybe we're just two tight games or two blowout losses, right? Away from being a seven and nine team, seven and nine, seven and 10 versus being eight and nine versus being nine and eight. Oh my, do we dare to dream? Well, so the, the initial reaction that I had when I saw it was eight wins, I, you know, I, and uh, we sent this out from, from our OGP account is, uh, What's more likely in your mind, the Giants finish nine and eight or the Giants finish seven and 10, right? Like that was my first initial reaction because like if eight's a push, are they more likely to have a winning record or a losing record? That kind of gives you your answer on where you sit on that. What, What I find fascinating about it is the Giants have had turmoil. They don't know if they have their franchise quarterback. They had no cap space. They fired their GM. They fired their head coach. They let go of some different veterans. Their one offseason move that was more than $5 million was for a guard. And yet, Adam, they're projected to have four more wins than they had in 2021. Think about that. Like all the stuff I just mentioned to you, the Giants are projected to double their win total. And I don't know if that speaks more about the division, the bad luck that they had, the offseason moves that Joe Shane has done. But either way, they're they're at least projecting us to be a middle of the road, competent team moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's what we wanted out of this, right? That's what we wanted out of this turnover, out of this change is just feeling like Brian Dable is a guy that you have some sense of what he's going to be as a head coach. Joe judge was a shocking one when he was hired and then a shocking disappointment when, when he, you know, ran his time out. So listen, if this is the direction the team is going in great, I'll be curious to see how it gets impacted post James Bradbury trade, right? That's going to have some weight there. And then we'll also see what happens in the draft class here. Let's go bonus real quick. Bonus, bonus at the end of the day, where, where were you going to take things? Because I, I I derailed. I derailed us there. No, that, that was good, Adam. The last thing I'll say, and this is another little tease for the business, is at the end of the day, as you pointed out, it does come down to Daniel Jones. But it's not just about his play on the field. It's also about what the Giants plan on do, doing with him. Pro Football Focus released their fifth-year option list of all the players that were drafted in the first round of, of Daniel Jones's draft class, and they gave their opinions on whether their fifth-year options will be exercised. Pro Football Focus says the New York Giants will exercise Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, which we didn't even think that that was in consideration for the Giants. And I think it's something that you and I probably will need to unpack on the next show. Breaking news, Adam will no longer be using Pro Football Focus for any references (laughs) around the draft class, around grades on a week-to-week basis, or any significant NFL information. We will be back in, though, man, uh, next week talking about, of course, where we are going to go in the draft here. Going to start to dial up all the conversations around prospects, where the Giants can fill needs and maybe get some steals throughout the draft. Uh, You can follow us over on YouTube. We're going to be dialing up those bonus videos. will be out later today on a Friday, so you can enjoy those over the weekend. Get the podcast where we get those needs fulfilled as well. And as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.